lights out and welcome back this is the third episode of our untitled f1 podcast i am your commissioner mr frank skrojewski at the f609 we are here to review the inaugural miami grand prix as well as the preview for the spanish grand prix i will once again be joined by my co-host mr michael o'byrne from kentucky mike how are you Doing great, Frank. Living off that uh, that rich strike high. Exciting to be there in person. See the uh, see one of the most historic Kentucky Derbies in Kentucky Derby history. It was great. That's awesome. It looked like it was a great time. I'm very happy to hear that. We are also joined by our, I guess, second guest all time here, Mr. Tom Riccardi, live from Hoboken, New Jersey. How are you, Tom? Oh, Frank, I'm doing well. Thank you uh, for having me. Uh, excited to talk some F1 with you. All right, right before we uh, get started into Miami, uh, last week we had our first happy birthday shout out for our pool. Now we have our first congratulations on an engagement, Mr. Stephen Harris, as and well as my cousin, Miss Charlene Bryce, on their engagement in Las Vegas this past weekend. Hopefully they'll be able to get back out for the race next year and maybe they'll get married on the track. That'd be sick. We'll jump right into the Miami Grand Prix. Some were calling it the Super Bowl of F1. I saw plenty of celebrities, a lot of fake water. Michael, I'll throw it to you first. Initial thoughts. Uh, so I was a little late into uh, getting this. As previously stated, I was boycotting this weekend. Um, I will say I boycotted uh, free practice. I boycotted, I boycotted qualifying. Um, we had a day at Churchill Downs. We drank a lot of mint juleps. We watched an 80 to one horse win a horse race, but in my uh, violently hungover state on Sunday, I did throw on the Miami Grand Prix. I thought it was a great race weekend. I think the drivers did had a little bit of a different take. It sounded like afterwards, a lot of them were uh, a little uh, frustrated with the lack of passing conditions or lack the lack of overtaking conditions, despite the three DRS zones that they had and dry weather. A lot of debris on the track, apparently, that they were upset about as well. But the stars were out. It showed well on TV. Seemed like everybody had a great time. Looked like a good race weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll second that. I mean, I think that it was us watching at home. Was, I thought it was a, like, a huge success. You know, a lot of you know people I hear that actually were down there, you know, you hear about the heat and how you know, uncomfortable it actually probably was for the drivers. And kind of to piggyback off of, uh, you know, what Mike said about the, you know, the debris. I think the biggest drivers, I, I feel like if you actually like kind of saw some of those zoom ins on those curves, you could kind of breathe just kind of like little pebbles kind of spreading around. But I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought the race was good. You know, in between, like you felt like we still a lot, of, you know, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of strategy coming into play, which, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of what you want to be is I'm sure some of the, the diehard F1 fans like, but yeah, it was good. I mean, just, you know, seeing all the celebrities, the, I will say though, the, uh, the start of it, Seems like there was a little bit too much celebrity at the start on the what is it the grid walk? So I don't know. I feel like next year they'll probably have to uh, you know maybe maintain that a little bit better. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be some tiers of celebrities that should be there and shouldn't be there. Yeah, Miami was certainly the spectacle it was made out to be. I don't know if the racing was the top notch. This will not be the best race of the year. When it comes all said and done, though, it is going to be of an event that they remember. It is the first 
race in a 10-year series in Miami. They will obviously work on different things with track layout, receive driver and team feedback to course conditions, and hopefully make it a better racing event than a spectacle of celebrities and chicanery. We will move right into the practice session uh, review of the weekend. It was an interesting practice since it was a inaugural Grand Prix. A lot of red flags, people getting off track. Uh, Carlos Sainz crashed again. Um, Esteban Akon crashed and was actually out of qualifying because of it. Uh, two biggest takeaways from practice were the Mercedes pole for a practice session with George Russell finishing P1 in uh, free practice two and Lewis Hamilton right in third behind him for that practice session. Uh, also Sergio Perez looked quick uh, and from what I noticed after selections were locked, people were watching, people are paying attention to free practices and it showed in the selections with Perez and George Russell being the most selected drivers of the week. Right into qualifying after Q3, Charles Leclerc, Sainz, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Botas, Hamilton, Gasly, Norris, Yuki, Stroll. It rounds out your top 10. Uh, the two, the biggest takeaway is the Ferrari 1-2 uh, locking out the front section of the grid. Tom, I'll kick it right to you on that. How does it feel being a Ferrari fan seeing that? No, it was great. You know, really happy to see them both, especially Carlos after uh, what what happened what happened these last few races. Definitely had me worried when he got into the wall. Um, I wasn't really too worried though because it seems like it seems like a lot of people were spinning out. You know, his he unfortunately just kind of smacked right into that wall. So, you know, it was a good bounce back for him. But you know, hopefully that. As long as he's not in his head, that's you know kind of all I care about moving forward. And getting that one-two lockout is always important from a constructor standpoint as well, not only from a driver's standpoint. Mike, I know you were at the Kentucky Derby, um, but to take maybe a look at your phone on Saturday and see a 3-4 from Max Sergio, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was surprising. Maybe a little bit of naivety from me not understanding the track but i thought this was going to be a course that the red bulls would really excel at considering the number of straights which is one of red bull strengths so i i was surprised again i didn't really know what happened but definitely disappointing going into that race um so yeah i mean we we had a feeling it was going to be dry so you you were wondering whether after after you see those results whether max could do something off the start which we'll talk about in a little bit but, um, but yeah, obviously a disappointing qualifying if you're Red Bull, given the track layout. I'm not sure how much uh, experience anyone in the pool, varying degrees of how much F1 people have watched. But this is typically what happens during qualifying sessions. You will get your leaders in Ferrari, Mercedes, anybody basically in Q3 will go out there and try to get their fastest lap within the last two minutes of qualifying ending. The track warmed up. Actually, it cooled down. Um, during qualifying, which was a big help. 
Um, and that's where times really started to come down. Uh, Max Verstappen having a slip up um, into maybe turn three or four uh, led to him not being able to post a final qualifying time. So that's where he gets that uh, second um, line on the grid or third line on the grid, excuse me. The only thing else that I will mention from qualifying is the Mercedes issue. Do we know what to make of this? Free practice, George Russell finishes on top, and then he doesn't even make it into uh, the Q3 session. Uh, Hamilton finishes sixth in qualifying, which is a pretty good place for a Mercedes car to be in. So um, any comments from either of you on the Mercedes? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, with George, but could it be because, you know, he's so used to driving in that Williams car of, of last year that, like, you know, he's kind of used to, you know, having to kind of, uses driver tactics instead of actually the car itself and you know maybe could that be why he's seeing so much more success than lewis versus uh you know at least at, at the end of these races i mean especially after this race that i'm sure we'll get into the thing about the george of it all was he was always mr saturday he pulled it out in the williams to make it into q3 and throw a uh, top 10 uh, starting qualifying result in now He's not even in there. Lewis had the qualifying result, but as we will get to in the race, um, George Russell seems to weasel his way around uh, these finishes. That will bring us right into our race review uh, coming out of qualifying. As I stated, a Ferrari lockout on the front row of the grid. I'll run down the race results and then we'll get into a little more detail of the race. Uh, Max Verstappen comes out with the win. Charles Leclerc in seconds. Carlos Sainz uh, making his appearance back on the podium after finally finishing a race. Sergio Perez in fourth. George Russell weaseling his way into the top five, his fifth top five result of the season. The only person to finish in the top five of every race. Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas. Esteban Akon returns to the points getting Alex Albon with a amazing uh, result getting a two points in ninth and uh, Lance Stroll coming in at 10th. Uh, we'll begin here. Michael, the grid walk was absolutely a sight to be seen. The celebrities were everywhere. A lot going on there. Martin Brundle, very... Uh... Uh, let's say he was uh, overwhelmed by the amount of traffic in uh, in the pit lane. Um, if you guys don't mind, I think we uh, we all saw Martin uh, have a number of different conversations with a number of people who he did know and a number of conversations with the people who he did not know. I have a list of names here, some of which were at the F1 race, some of which were not at the F1 race. I'd like to go through with the both of you and determine would Martin Brundle know some of these celebrities care to uh, care to entertain me and play a little bit of a game. Oh, I'm ready. Let's hit it. Uh, um, all right, let's start with Mr. Three Hundred Five himself. Would Martin Brundle know Pitbull? Of course, that's a definite. He's Mr. Three Hundred Five. He's Mr. Worldwide. That's the. I think. I think Martin would. Frank. Hundred percent. I think he would too. Uh, no Pitbull sighting at the race, which was a bit of a surprise, but I think we can all agree Martin Brundle would know who Pitbull was. Let's go to another celebrity. Would Martin Brundle know who Bubba Watson was? No shot. Didn't. Yeah. I'm going to say no. 
potentially, but did not speak to Bubba Watson. Bubba was at the race. Even a little bit more disrespectful, Martin did speak with Ian Poulter, but walked directly by Bubba Watson. Let's go to social media superstar and former world champion skier Lindsey Vaughn. I want to say yes, but I don't think he would. I'm going to Frank? say yes. I'm going to say yes. He's a Tiger Woods fan. Ooh, that is a fair point. That is a fair point, Frank. Uh, Martin Brundle does not know who Lindsey Vaughn is. Martin Brundle walked by Lindsey Vaughn approximately four times in my rewatching of the uh, the pit lane coverage uh, this afternoon. Let's go on to another one. Let's go to Dwayne Wade. Would Martin Brundle know who Dwayne Wade is? I know he does not because I'm pretty sure when he thought he was going to Patrick Mahomes, he actually ended up passing right by Dwayne Wade at Real Union. So I'm going to go with no on that. Tom, you are correct. He passed by he passed by Dwayne Wade multiple times, did not know who he was. Speaking of which, the last one we'll go we'll go through. You mentioned it, Tom. Martin walked up to Paolo Bancaro thinking he was Patrick Mahomes. Indeed, not Patrick Mahomes. My question to the both of you, do you think Martin Brundle knows who Paolo Bancaro is now? I'm gonna say no. (laughs) But maybe, actually. I still don't, so definitely not. I think this is a resounding no. Uh, yeah, thank you for entertaining gonna... me, gentlemen. There are a number of other names that were on this list that I want to go through, but in the interest of time, we will forego the rest of them. Moral of the story, Martin Brundle walking by a number of American celebrities that uh, he had no idea who they were while actively looking for American celebrities. Oh, that's why we love them, right? I mean, I don't know. If, do you guys remember last year? I think it was in, uh, in Austin when his infamous interview with uh, Megan Thee Stallion. As it was, if you haven't seen that, you gotta go do that because that is, you couldn't explain how uncomfortable I felt just sitting there watching him. It's, oh, poor guy. But that's why we love him. I did not, Tom. I will watch. But you came to Miami. You know what you're gonna get. This is what's gonna happen. The celebrities were out. They were at the Derby the day before. They take their PJs directly down to Miami and go to the F1 race. They knew this was gonna happen. To be quite frank, I mean, these F1 drivers are celebrities in themselves, but it seemed like for the most part, they were all taking care of what they needed to take care of. The spectacle of it all, I don't think it necessarily affected the drivers themselves. They all seem pretty locked in. Uh, like As we mentioned earlier, definitely uh, shook up Martin. But uh, other than that, I don't know that it affected the race all that much, quite frankly. If there was anything that affected the race, it was the fact that we were on a new track. It was hot. It definitely affected the decision of what tires each of these teams were using. It really affected the Aston Martin team who apparently got a little bit ambitious with cooling their fuel and then had to start had to start in the pit lane. Was absolutely a first for me seeing a pit start instead of coming to the grid for both Aston Martins. The race started with Charles Leclerc on pole as I stated earlier. Max Verstappen got off a great start and basically immediately passed Carlos Sainz to get into P2. And then 10 laps later, Max Verstappen takes the lead from Charles Leclerc and does not look back. Tommy, I see the result. 2-3 is what you need to do to score points, to stay in the lead of the Drivers and Constructors Championships. But how do you feel coming off of two second places now for Charles Leclerc and uh, what looks to be a little max streak here? I'm definitely disappointed we didn't, they didn't get the win. I think Charles proved that he should be able to, and the car itself has proved that it could win. Obviously, this track does, as uh, Mike mentioned earlier, it definitely favors the Red Bull with the straight. I'm a little, I guess, 
I don't want to say concerned, but I am curious to see what Ferrari does going into these these Euro races where, you know, what kind of upgrades are they going to do? They haven't made any yet. So I'm really curious to see. I mean, obviously, like, history shows that in the best at in-season upgrades. So I'm really hoping that they, you know, kind of turn this around. Um, Charles, you should easily be fighting up there on that. I'll say this track wasn't for best situation for what the car can provide, but I'm not as worried, I guess, as some might be with Max Street that he's been doing. Okay, yeah, I uh, agree with that. Track-specific racing is something that I picked up on pretty closely last year coming down the title fight between Max and Lewis. There were just tracks that were favored the Red Bull at times. There were tracks that favored the Mercedes at times. And it seems in the early part of the season, this is exactly what we're getting. We're seeing a um, high downforce versus low downforce uh, determination by each team setup, and that is causing what you're seeing and uh, Leclerc and Signs being so quick in the first sector of the Miami Grand Prix, then having the straight line speed of the Red Bull coming down uh, just to be too much for three DRS zones to handle. I say all that to say not much else happened in this race from the top two once Master Savin took the pass on Charles Leclerc. We did have a safety car via a Lando Norris Pierre Gasly crash towards the end of the race. It provided a little bit more of excitement because for the previous 40 laps, Max Verstappen just kind of went in circles and was dominant. I haven't seen gaps like that this season where uh, the person in first was 7, 10 seconds. Uh, there was no strategy involved in pitting when you would have thought it would have been perfect for undercuts and overcuts and protection from each team. What seemed to be the very big highlight coming out of the Lando-Gasly crash is something Mike alluded to earlier in a George Russell praying for a safety car, starting 15th, running hard tires until the safety car right around lap 40. What a surprising situation to have happened. Lewis Hamilton was right behind them at six. Mercedes has continued to produce results, even though Michael would love to tell you like last week that the McLaren might be better. Well, we'll talk about that, Frank. Don't worry. George Russell weasels his way into another top five. Um, either of you care to comment on George Russell. This is just honestly impressive. It's, it's super impressive. Definitely uh, a little bit of luck in the strategy that he took. They don't get a safety car there. I don't think we get the same result that ha- that that happened. I think it ends up backfiring and then Lewis probably ends up finishing ahead of him. But with that being said, a little bit of a, a change in heart in Lewis uh, over the radio as well. Uh, letting his uh, letting his team decide if he's coming in. They asked him, he had the choice and he said whatever you guys think is best and they said uh, we want you to we want you to stay out there probably not the best idea to come in and and get new tires. Also wanted to call out something we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Sergio Perez and the Red Bull having some power issues for the last half of the race. He was he was trying to battle Carlos for that uh, P3 spot. Ultimately wasn't really able to do it. You wonder whether or not he did everything that he could to just stay in P4 and stay ahead of the Mercedes. So theoretically, good great drive out of, out of Sergio Perez to just stay in P4 and maintain position uh, to get those points. Yeah, they said it was around 80% power at one point. Sergio was within striking distance, and then power went out. 
Luckily, they were able to fix the issue to get him a uh, back up and running at uh, semi full, full power. And then the only time he had a opportunity again was after the safety car. He was the only one in the top four that was able to take a new set of tires. He went after Carlos Sainz, missed his breaking point completely, ended up not getting to stick the overtake, and Sainz was able to hold on for the third in the podium. The other note was Haas having troubles again, what looked like a weekend for Mick Schumacher to finally score points and celebrate, turned into heartbreak with a Sebastian Vettel crash with five laps remaining in America, technically home race a lot closer to their made-up headquarters in North Carolina. What a weekend it could have been for Haas. Yeah, heartbreaking for Mick. Um, I think I think everybody wants to see him do well, or at least get that point. It's just ironic that, of course, it was with his mentor Vettel. So it's, I mean, you really hate to see it. Uh, I don't think, you know, I'm not too worried though. I think I think Haas is doing all they can this year. I think they're, you know, with everything going on, they probably uh, they're they're making the best of what could have been a even worse situation. But yeah, it's you know, well, K Mag not the best showing from him this week. As I was expecting him to maybe break the top ten. Going back to upgrades, I mean, we'll see what they can put together. I mean, I think that a uh, few minor, uh, you know, minor adjustments, they might be able to get back to how we thought they were coming out of uh, the first race in Bahrain. As three young American males, I'm sure all of us would like to see a competitive U.S. team. Mario Andretti certainly sparked that interest again during free practice in an interview or qualifying, stating that uh, he would have a team in F1 by 2024, a lot of talk about an American driver, uh, Colton Herta, potentially the name coming out uh, the most over the weekend, for the United States to host a second Grand Prix. Miami certainly showed it's not Austin, closer to what they were going to offer in Vegas, uh, the pure spectacle uh, that it was. The racing was subpar at times. First race ever made uh, the intrigue and the interest at an all-time high. But there are some growing pains, and uh, we will have to see some uh, changes made there to make this a focus on racing more than the spectacle. Finally, with Miami, uh, the major storyline happening at the back of the results with Alex Albon finishing in ninth, uh, getting a boost due to the Alonzo penalty that I covered already. Tommy, what a move. What a what a Williams finish. Well, first of all, I got to say, I mean, shout out to people who believe in superstition, because I don't know if you guys heard the story, but he, I supposedly dyed his hair red for that one race where he got, I forgot which one it was. Was it, was it Australia? or some? Someone? Yeah, one of the recent he, results. Well, we got P10, got a point, decided to do it again this week, ends up going back in P10 and was like only, yeah, he's like two two-tenths of a second behind uh, Alonzo. So, I mean, that's just great. You love to see that. But plus, we all like Alex. Great guy. Seems like a, you know, hard worker. You know, it's good to, good, plus it's good to see Williams back, you know, back in the points. Historical team. You, you love to see it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Alex Albon and his kind of story arc that has happened over these Drive to Survive seasons. We've seen him compete as a number two in the Red Bull and last year as a uh, integral part of Max Verstappen's uh, driver's championship in their as their simulator tester now racing for Williams pulling out results where he scored 
10th, 11th, 9th, three out of four in a Williams is absolutely amazing. Yeah, Frank, some liked him more than uh, more than most last week. Shout out me, took him in the pool. What a pick for you, Michael, on two times uh, calling your shot here. Well, actually, I called your shot last week on selecting a Williams, which you did. I'll ask you both for a final thought on Miami and a driver of the day. Mike, you first. For me, there's a couple of people in this category. Obviously, Alex Albon had a wonderful drive uh, qualifying, I believe, P16 and getting all the way up to P9. But Esteban Akon starting all the way qualifying P20, making his way up to P8. He's my driver of the day. How could he not be? To get back into the point scoring for Alpine, um, heading into the European swing is always important. Uh, he looks to be the stronger of the Alpine drivers compared to Alonso. Alonso certainly had the potential this year, but um, it certainly would be Akon finishing in the results. Tom, any more comments on Miami and your driver of the day? Yeah, uh, so my driver of the day is going to have to be George Russell. I mean, I took him in the pool, so it you know, worked out pretty well for me considering uh, you know where he qualified at and everything. Um, but yeah, I just I, I was really impressed by that pretty much telling like you know the this team like hey let's just stay out there like i thought that was like in my head i thought that there's definitely going to be a safety car you started with the hard why not push it and just take your chance um nothing to lose at that point um so that was that was impressive so i about have to give it to him and my final thoughts on miami is i'm just excited to see where vegas what vegas is going to be like because after seeing how this went um i feel like vegas is probably going to end up being 10 times cooler and maybe even more celebrity so it'll be Fun to see. Frank, I have one final, final thought. I referenced it earlier. I do need to eat a little crow. Bad week for McLaren's. Lando, of course, getting into the crash, not finishing the race even before that. Wasn't competitive. Not a really inspiring drive from Danny. I'll eat a little crow on that one. Bad week for McLaren. Looking to bounce back next week. As alluded to earlier in track-specific performances, this certainly lined up with an Australia for the McLaren bunch, it seems like they haven't really figured it out yet on um, different uh, tracks, which require um, lower or higher downforce. I don't know the difference, so I won't speak on that. But it seems to be they have pace um, places. Uh, Lando could have finished in the points and would have been a fine result. Uh, Ricardo was nowhere to be found all weekend, so certainly the, a tough weekend for the McLarens. I will end with my driver of the day. Um, since both of you alluded to your picks in the uh, pool, I did take uh, Sergio Perez, a tough result at four. Uh, certainly wouldn't be my driver of the day. And I'm going to go with um, Alex Albon. I think uh, what they're doing at Williams is fantastic. Okay, that will end our Miami Grand Prix race review. We'll jump right in here to our pool recap. Um, as I stated earlier, Sergio Perez and George Russell were the two most heavily selected drivers in the pool this week. Uh, two people did have Alex Albon scoring points, and a few people got hurt with Fernando Alonso taking the two five-second penalties at the end of the race to fall out of the points. Tom or guest this week remains atop for the third race in a row. 
We also have um, Nick Cirillo jumping into second place uh, three races ago, as I continue to say, was almost in last, now in second place. So what a jump that has been. Daniel Suck in third, Will O'Byrne in fourth, Sean Hutton in fifth, Liam Callahan in sixth, yours truly, Frank Skrzewski in seventh, Johnny Worthman in eighth, Megan Hutton in ninth, and Corey Cook in tenth. Rounding out, that is Stephen Harris uh, dropping out of our top 10 for the first time this year. It's been a interesting path to get here so far. We, Me and Michael have personally only talked about strategy so far this year. Tommy, I would like to throw it to you as our leader. How's it feel to be on top another week? Uh, you know, it feels good. I mean, I think I'm, I'm making some solid choices. You just got to keep it up. I don't credit it to, you know, because I've really only known about F1 really for the last, like, probably for a year, less than a year now. So a little bit of luck, I think, too. I mean, I think most people could say that. Yeah, it's good. You know, I'm going to stick with my strategy and, uh, you know, try to keep push pushing. And now, if you care to elaborate, what is that strategy? Because extremely heavy for you on top talent here, yet you still have Max Verstappen to take. You've taken both of your Ferraris, your homegrown red, as we may call it. What's next for you after this George Russell uh, pick this week and a great result at that? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, my, my thought was starting out, you know, you got to take the best car. I mean, I think everyone kind of assumed Mercedes and Red Bull were kind of the, you know, the go-tos. I, you know, after seeing, you know, the, you know what people were saying about Ferrari, I thought those would probably be the best, uh, you know, the best to start out with. I didn't get a win, but I got, you know, a couple P2s, so that was always good. This race was kind of weird because no one really raced it before. So it was kind of just, I was sort of kind of trying to find somebody that, like, I know could do well or should do well. The car, I didn't want to take, I didn't want to waste it on ever stopping just yet, but, uh, because I feel like he's probably the, the top one I have left. So I kind of just went with George. I mean, obviously the free practice has kind of really helped my, you know, incentivize it. Then, you know, qualifiers came and thankfully, you know, it all worked out in the end. But, um, you know, I'm kind of obviously, a, I'm, gonna start, I'm probably going to be picking, you know, lower tier guys, you know, not the best cars. So, uh, you know, it's just about getting points, you know, whether it's P10 or, you know, P4, you know, just try to get some points. And if you're lucky enough to get a podium with people that aren't top guys, that's, uh, you know, that's just even sweeter. Yeah, you really uh, pulled it out in the last two races with a Lando pick and a George Russell pick. You may be moving more towards uh, a pick in the future like Michael had with Alex Albon, uh, Michael scoring two points. To remain in the top four after a two-point week is great to know that you're kind of still in that area how do you figure you're going to find points to maybe compete with tom moving forward yeah honestly uh whether tom knows it or not his biggest strength is he's finished every race so far which i certainly haven't um max verstappen even just finishes that uh first race of the year i think i'm right there with him so finishing race is obviously the priority when you're talking about what we're doing here if you don't finish a race, you can't score any points. So, I mean, moving forward, it's really just going to be trying to find some of the value. I have some spots picked out where I'm going to take some um, bigger guys, as I'm sure everybody else does. But right now I'm looking for value. Last week, what I've referenced was a track that nobody ever raced at. So I felt like I was comfortable taking a Williams there. Ended up lucking out, getting a really great drive out of Alex Albon and getting two points that you don't necessarily count on getting in that position, which is great. 
looking into next week, and I'm sure we'll start talking about the uh, the Barcelona Grand Prix in, in just a few minutes, but I think there's a little bit more uh, history at this track. And I think my strategy moving into next week is going to be more to look for a middle car um, that performs well on this track. Some guys I have eyed up right now. You referenced um, Fernando Alonso being the inferior Alpine, but of course a Spaniard comfortable on this racetrack might be a guy that I decide to go with there, uh, try and steal some points out of him in an Alpine. Or Valtteri Bottas, looking really, really good in the Alfa Romeo. Finishes P7 last week in Miami, I think, but qualifies fifth. Uh, continues to prove that he has pace to stay kind of in that top 10. So those are two guys that I'm looking at going into next week. The way this is going to play out in a European swing moving forward into the summer uh, season of F1, as Tom mentioned earlier, upgrades are coming. That has been a big talking point for all the teams being able to get into Europe, get parts quicker, easier with uh, more of their car, most of the cars heading back to their home factories, at least for this week, to put these upgrades on. Seeing results and pace is always going to be a priority. As you said, finishing seems to be the biggest priority early on, and that's where maybe uh, some people have slipped up in strategy, taking risks, even though they were top talent and top cars, uh, reliability was the issue. Uh, some freak stuff with uh, some crashes and some hoses going out in the last two laps is nothing that you can predict, but Tom's doesn't have a win and continues to remain on top. Moving into the Spanish Grand Prix, we will be going to Barcelona, Spain, 16 corners, two DRS zones, a nice mix of high and low speed corners. 66 laps are 2021 result of the Spanish Grand Prix. Uh, had Lewis Hamilton taking his 100th pole position and passes Max Verstappen late to um, win the Grand Prix. Valtteri Bottas com also comes out with a podium. Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez round out the top five. We head into a weekend of the Spanish Grand Prix taking place on May 20th. Free practice one will take place on 8 a.m. on the 20th, uh, a Friday with free practice two happening at 11 a.m. Free practice three will take place on Saturday the 21st at 7 a.m. with qualifying resuming at 10 a.m. Picks must be in by 10 a.m. Saturday the 21st. Everyone, uh, it looks like it's going to be an early wake-up weekend. You're going to have some F1 on your uh, Sunday morning and Saturday morning cartoons. The race, Sunday, May 22nd, 9 a.m. Gentlemen, comments, looking forward to the Spanish Grand Prix. Really, I'm curious to see how Red Bull does, um, just because, you know, I feel like the races that they've won have been more of those 57 lap races. So I'm kind of trying to see what their reliability will be like going with a full 66. I, I could just be naive and just the fact that I don't like Red Bull and hoping that that might happen or there might be some issues. But um, I don't know, I'm just interesting to see uh, what's, how, how they turn out. And so honestly hoping for, I, I'd really like to see to a either more so a Carlos Sanz win or a Fernando Alonso podium. One of the two would be great to see, especially at a home race. Yes, yeah, since the 
Dutch Grand Prix last year. I don't think we've seen a driver win in his home country. So to see a uh, driver win um, on their home soil would be an exciting feat. I want to hit on a point that you just made about uh, Red Bull reliability. As we move further along in the season, you may view reliability as getting stronger when teams are finishing races because they should have these nuts and bolts tightened and everything should be okay. But with upgrades coming, that opens up a greater chance of possibilities of maybe um, something going wrong because uh, parts are being taken off and added to these cars. So it will be interesting to see if some reliability issues come back into play because we have not been having them as much um, during these last two races. Yeah, definitely, Frank. I think we saw some instances last year around this European swing where guys had to take uh, position penalties for having to replace power units, having to replace other parts on their car that come with uh, come with grid position penalties. So definitely something to look out for, maybe something to look out for, depending what's going on with uh, Sergio Perez. You referenced that they were able to fix that power issue um, or at least get him back up to uh, close to full power towards the end of that race. But you never know what's happening behind the scenes. A lot of times we'll find that out late. So maybe something to watch out for there. Again, Barcelona, a track that we we know a fair amount about. They've raced at many, many times before. Um, it'll be a great weekend. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of fans in the crowd. We're going to see a lot of Ferrari red rooting for Carlos Sainz and uh, well warranted. Another guy, though, who's had some trouble finishing some races, was able to finish this week. So looking at Carlos just to finish a race, get on a podium and uh, satisfy the home fans in uh, in Barcelona next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the Spanish Grand Prix taking place and then having the Monaco Grand Prix immediately following uh, the weekend after, will be interesting to have our first back-to-back and see uh, what this does to uh, the wear and tear of the teams. We really get into a swing here where you start having uh, races uh, three, four times a month. It can get uh pretty intense uh, with travel and everything else. So it'll be really, really um, good to see uh, what teams can prevail during uh, these tough stretches. All right, Tom, I'll throw it to you. Um, Give me who you think you might take in the pool this week, and then give me uh, who you think will actually win the race. I mean, it's still up in the air of who I will take. Um, I'm kind of leaning more towards probably Botox. I was kind of going, you know, thinking about him this week, but look, you know, I'm actually happy I ended up going with Russell, considering where they ended up in the standing. Um, who I think is going to win? I mean, I think it's going to be uh, Leclerc. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping uh, maybe Sons, but I'm, you know, I'm going with my head more than my heart on that one. Um, and you know, Max is always a viable, you know, competition. So we'll see how they. We'll see. I mean. Hope for the best. Probably going to expect the worst. <laughs> Always a good way to uh, move forward looking at a uh, life like that, Tom. <laughs> Mike, I'll throw it to you. Uh, give me your two uh, picks. So I referenced them a little bit earlier. Like Tom said, Valtteri Botas definitely in the cards as a potential play. But since Tom went with Valtteri, I will go contrarian. And I'm going to say that I'm going to take Fernando Alonso at his home track in Barcelona. You referenced uh, summer break nearing closer, teams making adjustments to their cars. Some of these uh, manufacturers that have been having disappointing seasons so far, a la Mercedes, although finishing well, not finishing at the top of the grid where they want to be. 
this might be one of your last chances to take Fernando Alonso in the Alpine and score points. So I think that will likely be the direction that I'm going to go. As for the actual result of the race, I think we're going to see more of the same uh, with Charles and Max battling uh, for one, two finishing position. Would love to see, I mean, Carlos winning would be a great story, but I think Charles is just the better driver right now. Taking a look at the driver standings, Max looking at Max has 85 points, Charles 104 points. And then at the Constructors' Championship, actually getting really close, Ferrari in one at 157 and Red Bull Racing um, in second at 151. I think Ferrari adds a little bit to their lead here with a Charles um, and Carlos, either 1-2 or 1-3. They extend their lead in the Constructors and Charles extends his lead in the Drivers' Championship. Okay, um, for my picks, I will uh, agree with you, Mike. I think this is where uh, the Ferraris get back to their winning ways. Um, I see a Charles Leclerc win here, maybe a Carlos Sainz second place. Track-wise, I ran this down in um, the simulator this week. I've been playing a lot. It's going to be more of a feel closer to um, uh, Dubai than any of these other tracks that we've seen. We've had two to to three tracks that have been more street circuit. This is going to be a traditional circuit. Like I said, two DRS zones, a a nice mix of corners, but uh, it's going to feel more Dubai, more compact than these long straights um, where you have kind of turns that aren't really turns or just kind of a car going so fast it goes straight. Uh, so it will be interesting for my pick. Um, I think I'm really going to start hammering home uh, strictly on this midfield and then um, kind of see where it plays out with the lower tiers that I have to take before uh, we get back into wild card. So um, I think I'm really looking yeah, at, uh, at that Williams to see if Alex Albon can pull out another point. Um, maybe if the Mercedes come out with something special. Uh, I might switch and try to look towards either Lewis or uh, George Weasel Russell, as he'll be known um, on this podcast, to uh, maybe slip into a uh, podium finish. Because I think where you have to start looking now with that Mercedes, you have to be hoping for podiums. If you're going to put in a Mercedes or even maybe a McLaren, uh, maybe even Botas at this point, you have to finish races and you have to try to get on podiums you have to start getting into the double digit points at top five where you can at least get 10 points and maybe make a difference because i think a lot of people are going to accept getting points but you're going to get fours and sixes and eights out of people like alex um not alex Albon, esteban akon maybe fernando alonso uh the bad situations when maybe charles leclerc Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez end up in a bad situation there where you just get a normal Daniel Ricciardo week and he gets into some, you know, funky points. But you're really going to have to hammer home to get into these top fives. So I think that's going to be my main focus before I start looking to get back into maybe a wild card selection or um, really start just digging down deep in the dirt. Yeah, Frank, um, <laughs> it. I, I don't know. I, I am very hesitant to take a Mercedes until after the summer break. I, I referenced it earlier, but um, Toto kind of coming out and saying that they need to replace the floor of that car and making it seem like it wasn't that much of a, a big deal. Um, everything that I read says it is very much a big deal and can't like happen overnight. Um, so definitely something to look at. I'm probably not taking a single Mercedes car until after the summer break, counting on them making those adjustments during that summer break and then them 
getting some P2s, P3s, maybe even winning some races down the stretch and catching some higher points there as opposed to taking it now when we've recognized or they've recognized, I should say, that they need to make major improvements to the structural like integrity of their car. Yeah, I can second that over. I was really thinking about after the summer break, maybe going to Mercedes. I mean, I bit the bullet this week taking George, but um, I don't know. I'm feeling a little pretty little Tom's pick preview. Uh, I'm feeling a, I'm feeling a Lewis Hamilton silver pick. That, that'll probably be when I end up taking a Mercedes again. Way to go out on a limb, Tom. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts moving into Spain, gentlemen? Uh, I'm really excited. I think this is where things are going to start heating up between um, the top uh, two to maybe three teams, hopefully. And especially between Charles and Max, we're going to start to see a real back and forth battle here, trading wins and trading punches. And whoever can kind of make those jumps and really either uh, further the gap or lessen the gap in Max's case uh, will be an exciting thing to watch in the upcoming races here. I agree. I second that or third that. <laughs> All right. Uh, finally, we're going to close it out here. Uh, just one housekeeping note from the uh, pool. I did receive everyone's podcast name suggestions. Uh, one of the best ones, uh, I don't know if it was more of a podcast name or the episode selection, but uh, even the water is fake in Miami will be the name of uh, this episode's this episode. Uh, because I just thought you were in, set in a great uh, name. The names that I did receive will be put up in the form to be voted on, and we will go uh, by a crowd control to see uh, if we can get a vote and get some engagement here for our podcast name. Hopefully by episode four, we will have our, our first uh, name podcast that I can open with. It was great to be joined by Mr. Tom Riccardi, our leader in the pool. Tom, uh, anything to plug on your way out? No, I got nothing. Becoming a a Hamilton resident very shortly here. We can't wait to have you back uh, around home, getting out of that big city uh, they call the Big Apple. Can't wait to be back, Frank. Looking forward to it. Michael, thank you as always for joining as uh, my co-host here our first time having a guest. What do you make of it? Uh, I always good to have Tom or talk F1 with Tom, um, a wealth of knowledge in the sport, somebody who joined a little bit late, kind of like me to, uh, to try to survive, but picked it up quickly and dove in head first owns more F1, uh, gear than anybody I know follows just as closely as anybody. So great to have you, Tom. Hopefully we can have you back again soon. Mike, anything to plug on the way out? Uh, shout out Churchill Downs. If anybody ever gets the opportunity to go to the Kentucky Derby, uh, I can confirm it is an awesome experience. Uh, I won no money. I hate Rich Strike. He lost me so much money. Um, but watching the replay back afterwards, it was a Kentucky Derby day to remember. Highly recommend to anybody that gets the opportunity. All right. That's great. Uh, we will close out the podcast with uh, saying goodbye from your commissioner, Frank Spruchewski at the F609. As always, like a pin in a cork board, push, push. Push, push, push. Best co-host in the game. Trying my best. Good seeing you guys. Always fun. You too, man. You're, you're the Thank Peter you, Rosenberg to my Michael K. Wow. I love Peter. <laughs> Tom's Don Tom LaGreca. Oh, I love that. I'll be down. We need more energy out of Tom if he's going to be Don.